1: Ashley Banfield here, and this is Rising Tide, the place where I bring some of the greatest mentor minds to you. If you care about your craft and you wanna be better at what you do, I wanna help you with that. You know, it's easy to assume that you need an Ivy League education to really make it big, but each month I feature VIP mentors who are leaders in their industry and they say, that's not true. They're gonna prove to you that you don't have to have highbrow connections to create your own personal best. And they've agreed to share their tips, their secrets, and their career advice with you. This is Rising Tide. Let me give everybody the introduction even though you don't even need one, but there's some stuff in here that still blows my mind every time I see it. Uh, Of course, Susie is America's favorite financial advisor. Even the New York Times says so. She's a force in the world of personal finances USA Today. Maybe it's because she's got, oh, I don't know, uh, 10 consecutive New York Times bestsellers. What? 10 consecutive?
2: Mm, Over 30 million copies in print. Yeah. I can't. I can't. (laughs)
1: So uh, Susie is the host of the popular Women in Money podcast. She's a writer, a producer, one of the top motivational speakers in the entire world. Two Emmy Awards, eight Gracie Awards, twice been named Time 100s list, and uh, ranked among the world's 100 most powerful women by Forbes and Barron's Magazine. She was the host of the top rated Susie Orman show on CNBC for 13 years, contributing editor to O, oh, the Oprah Magazine for 16 years. She grew up on the south side of Chicago and at the age of 30, this is my favorite part about you, at the mm-hmm. age of 30 was still a waitress making $400 per month. She worked her way through college and up the TV ranks to the top of the heap. And she has earned not one, but two honorary doctorates. First question is, how does one do that uh, as a waitress at age 30, all of a sudden become you?
2: Yeah, Um, that's a good question. You know, I'm glad that you focused on that because I don't know the background of a lot of you that are watching right now, but sometimes we provide excuses for why we can't be that which we want to be. We look at these people and you hear this resume or the CV that Ashley just read and you go. I can never do that. So if we rewind just a little bit, I did grow up on the South side of Chicago, but the truth is I had a speech impediment and I couldn't pronounce my R's, S's, or T's. So words like beautiful came out as boobital because I could not speak, I could not read. And at the South side of Chicago back then, they would seat you according to your reading scores. And when I would take my reading exam, I would score the lowest in the entire class. So my best friends were then in the first three rows and I was in the last seat, last row. So I knew I was stupid. I knew I would never amount to anything. So I tried. My mother was a secretary, sold Avon on the side. And my father was sick most of his life, having been caught in a fire of his little chicken shack that he had. So I grew up thinking, I loved being a waitress because I always worked in my father's places. And, and so when I went to Berkeley, California, I lived on the streets for a matter of months because I didn't have the money for a first or second, you know, um, or first and last deposit for an apartment that was only $200 a month at the time. And my girlfriend and I finally got a job at the Buttercup Bakery came out of the van that we were living in on the streets. And, and after seven years of having been a waitress, Ashley, I noticed that the people who owned the Buttercup went from this tiny little place, the corner, like you couldn't even see, get a seat in it. It was like maybe had five seats to owning half the block on my ideas. Mm. So now I have this thought, I know, I can open up a restaurant. I can do it on my own. And I called my mother and father, asked them for $20,000. They said, Susie, we don't have $20,000. Where are we going to get that kind of money? Went to work the next day, feeling so horrible that I even asked for it. And a man who I've been waiting on for seven years said, what's wrong, sunshine? You don't look happy. Because I was so happy to be a waitress. I loved it. I didn't have a desire to be anything else until I came up with this idea of having my own restaurant. And I told him, and he went back, sat with all the other gentlemen that I've been waiting on every day. And these men were not wealthy. Fred was a salesman of little tiny tape recorders at the time. One was a construction worker. They didn't have a lot of money. But before Fred left, he came up to the counter that I was standing behind, and he put all this pa- these papers on the counter, and he said, "This is for people like you to have your dream come true, to be paid back in ten years at no interest, if you can, on a napkin." And I start opening up. It was fifty thousand dollars in checks what? and commitments. What? Mm-hmm. 50- From the people that you were serving in the restaurant. Yeah, that's right. fantastic. Like some gave two thousand, some gave one. You know, there were hundreds of people that I had waited on and they all wanted to help me. And I didn't know what to do with that kind of money, except ask Fred, were these checks going to bounce like all mine do? He then tells me to go and put it at Merrill Lynch in a money market account until they could help me. I didn't know what a Merrill Lynch was and I didn't know what a money market account was at the time. And for those of you who may not know, Merrill Lynch was and still is a very major brokerage firm and a reputable one. And a money market account is just like a savings account, but it's at a brokerage firm instead. Just that simple. All right. So I put the money in there. And when you go to a brokerage firm, you're met by the broker of the day. And Randy met me. He was the broker of the day. I told him what the money was for. And he said, how would you like to make a quick $100 a month or a week? And I said, yeah, that's more than I make as a waitress, really. And so he said, just sign here on these papers. They were all blank. I left to make a long story short. Randy filled out the paperwork to make it look like I was a very sophisticated investor and I could risk that $50,000. And within three months, all $50,000 was lost. Um, you're kidding me. No, I am not kidding you. However, do you see how you just went? Oh, because that? Happened to me. I'm sitting here in front of you today with all the accolades that you have just read. None of you can ever forget that when one door closes, another one opens. But you have to be willing to open that door. Nobody is going to open a door for you. You have to open the door. So the door that I opened was Fred said, I didn't have to pay the money back. You know, if I could pay it back in 10 years at no interest, that was fine. But if I couldn't, okay. But these people didn't have any money. So I thought, I know I can be a broker. They just make you broker. So Ashley, I was a size six back then. That's the only thing I wish I could go back to, right? And I had a pair of red and white striped sassoon pants, and I had these white cowboy boots. Now my cowboy boots are black, just so you know. Anyway, and this blue silk shirt. And that was the best outfit I had, and I put it on, and I went in to interview for a job at Merrill Lynch because I thought, a broker? They just make you broker. Maybe I can do that. They needed to fill their women's quota. It was affirmative action back then. I went in, and I was interviewed by The manager of the office, his name was Peter Sansevero. I love saying his name on the air, although he's no longer alive anymore. And he told me women belong barefoot and pregnant, but he would have to hire me. But he would fire me in six months. I then said to him, how much are you going to pay me to make me pregnant? He said $1,500 a month. $1,500 times six months when he was going to fire me is $9,000. That would take me over two years at the Buttercup Bakery to make. I said, fine. I then take the job studying to be a stockbroker. And the operations manager, who really controls all the operations of a major brokerage firm, was also gay. And he came to me and he said, Susie, I want you to go into my office today after I leave and look in the left hand drawer and you'll see what I want you to see. I went in there. And basically I saw all these files that said win, 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 lose, lose, lose. And they were lawsuits against Merrill Lynch, all by the same lawyer that was gonna win. I called the lawyer, they took it on contingency, um, which is I didn't, if I lost, I didn't have to pay anything. If I won, they got 30%. And I sued Merrill Lynch while I was working for them because, Ashley, they were going to fire me anyway because I sued them, everybody. They couldn't fire me. By the time it came to court, I was the number six producing broker. And they just settled and gave me all the money back, plus interest at 18% that I was able to pay everybody else back.
1: Wow. So you took the settlement and paid back all the people in the restaurant?
2: Yeah, of course.
1: And then how long did you stay with Merrill Lynch?
2: I stayed with them till 1983, when I then moved on as a vice president for Prudential based securities um, until 1987. In 1987, I started my own firm, and then in 1995, I wrote my first book called "You've Earned It, Don't Lose It" because I wanted to impress my clients. They came in to see me. I thought it would be cool that my clients thought that their financial advisor wrote a book. Who knew that book would go on to sell 800,000 copies? And the rest is kind of history.
1: And then you have that, you know, je ne sais quoi quality, Susie. I mean, you open your mouth and everybody's glued, right? Not everybody has that magic, but you certainly discovered it and you were able to turn it into this remarkable brand that, you know, just continues to proliferate. It's it's spectacular. A lot of people on the Zoom today have questions about trying to spin um out of a circumstance that maybe isn't unlike your original circumstance. Let me read you this one from Kathy from Montclair, New Jersey. Women have been told to know their value and their worth, but salaries in many industries keep decreasing. How can we confidently get ahead in negotiations without Hmm. coming off as overqualified or greedy?
2: Yeah, the main thing is, and I'm going to just take it from the back end if that's okay, you have to not have any debt. When you have debt and you need a job and you need them to keep you on their payroll because you have debt, you don't have the money you need to get by, then you have rendered yourself powerless and you don't have the power within you to ask for what you want and what you deserve. So you get paid what you deserve when you omit a power that no resume can convey. People can feel your power and they can also feel your powerlessness. Remember, there's a law of money. Power attracts money. Powerlessness repels it. And the reason that that is true is people control money. You're the ones who go out and get a job. You're the ones who ask a person for a pay raise. A person gives you a job promotion So when they feel that you're powerful and who you are, they are attracted to you. When you are powerless, maybe somebody just broke up with you or whatever it is, everybody can feel like something's wrong. And when they feel that, you repel them. So you have to be somebody who stands in their truth and not be afraid to ask, for what you know you are worth. And if that means they don't give you a job or they dismiss you, but you have an eight to 12 month emergency fund, you don't have any credit card debt, fine. Then you find someplace that values you. But don't be afraid that if somebody says no to you, like I lost all that money, that something good won't come from that. I would never, ever settle. I never have, and I never would.
1: So this is a great question from Victoria that dovetails from that because she talks about having debt to start with. And since this is sort of the careers uh, mentoring, we're folding in the debt piece of it. Victoria from San Diego says, how do you suggest paying off uh, student debt quickly if you're not making enough money in this industry? I probably make about $1,100 every two weeks, and I try to make a $900 monthly student loan payment. By the way, I have over $50,000 in student loan debt. I've paid about $7,000 since getting out of college in 2020. This business doesn't pay well, certainly in the beginnings. Even if you're on air, uh, it's the worst paying job I've ever had. I was a waitress too, but this one was the worst paying job I ever had for seven years.
2: Yeah. Then what I would do if I were you most likely at $900 a month, you're on the standard repayment method, which means... That you will have this loan supposedly paid off in 10 years. It's stressing you out. So why don't you go on an income-based repayment method where it is attached to whatever income you happen to be making now? In the past, what would have happened is you would have made a payment, maybe an X amount of years, it would be forgiven and whatever was forgiven, you would owe taxes on. The tax laws are starting to change on that. So I would, I would change the payment structure that you are under right now, which would be the standard repayment method and attach it to an income based repayment so that you pay according to what you are earning. That's what I would be doing if I were you.
1: I think that's, uh, that's great advice. Uh, Melissa from New York asks, what is the greatest piece of advice that you ever received?
2: It was actually from my father. <laughs> and my father, it's a long story, but very quickly, the advice was it's better to have 50% of something than 100% of nothing. And the way that translated for me was really that I never went after the money. It wasn't money was never the goal for me. The goal for me was doing something that I loved. So I would translate that to love of what I was doing was more important than all this money that I could be offered. And Ashley, I don't know if you know this, but the first year that I had the Susie Orman show on CNBC, I was offered a contract and what they wanted to pay me. And I was like, I'm not working for that. No way am I going to sign this contract. I said, I'll do something better. I'll work for one year for free for you. Because I love being on television and because I had the money to be able to do so. After one year, it was the highest rated show on CNBC. The first two weeks, I had increased their ratings by 175%. After that one year, I had them. So then they had to come to me and say, how much do you want? And they had to pay me for the year before that. And it was in the seven figures. They had never paid somebody like me that kind of money for one day a week. But I had them. So that was the best advice. I had ever been given. Yeah. That's also, colloquially always, called over the barrel, right? You
1: had him over yeah, the barrel. <laughs> yeah. Also,
2: always do what's right versus doing what's easy. Always stand in your truth, everybody. When you stand in your truth, everybody can relate to it. So, that probably of anything I've ever done, standing in my truth has made me who I am to this day.
1: So Melissa had a second part to the question and it it speaks to exactly what you just said. When did you have your aha moment that you could build a brand around your work?
2: I don't even know if I have that aha moment yet, which is the goal was never to build a brand. Susie, did you just see
1: how many people smiled when you said that? Like we all think, is she crazy? Susie Orman talking. (laughs) No,
2: but it's true. KT will tell you, that I still think I'm a waitress. You know, I have the Women in Money podcast, obviously, which you mentioned. And today, by the way, I just have to say this. Every one of you out there watching right now, you need what I call the must-have documents. You need a will, a trust, an advanced directive, and durable power of attorney for healthcare. For many reasons today on the podcast, I'm giving them away for free. $2,500 $2,500 worth of documents for free to all of you good in all 50 states. And if you listen to the podcast, you'll see why I'm doing it good just for today. It expires at midnight, your time, East Coast, or sorry, 3 a.m. in the morning, East Coast time on the January 6th. And KT's is like, why are you doing that, Susie? And I still feel like I'm this waitress serving a plate of financial advice to everybody, the main reason I'm doing a podcast that you can listen to for free. It's not about the Emmy Awards and the this and the that. It's about how many lives can I touch? Because financial freedom is your birthright. And I believe that with the bottom of my heart. So where do you go to get the advice that's good for you and not the financial advisors? that may be giving it to you because they're getting paid.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
2: So you'll never be powerful in life, everybody, till you're powerful over your own money, how you think about it, feel about it, and how you invest it. And that's what so this, the Women in Money podcast is all about.
1: And I, I, this is great for you. It's it's great for the this next question from Julia from Tacoma, Washington. is great because of the way the media has evolved um, with many of us journalists also being you know, experts on the air. Like I'm asked as you are to go on other people's shows as a an expert in crime. And you're asked to go on other people's shows as an expert in finance. So her question is, what's your advice regarding journalists working as experts on air? You are truly an expert in your field, but are there certain questions that you won't answer or certain limits to the advice that you give on finance?
2: Yeah, I won't go into legal advice. I won't go into tax advice. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a CPA. But when it comes to personal finance, I believe in my gut, you will never find anybody that will give you as great and unbiased and accurate and, you know, do this now advice than me. right. So, but I do have a hard time, I have to say, about journalists that have never invested people's money for them, never lost people's money from them or made money for them, or didn't bother to get their Series 7 exam, or their Certified Financial Planners exam, or all the licenses that I did get over the years, giving financial advice. I have a really hard time with that, to tell you the truth, Ashley, I do.
1: Yeah, especially when um, they're on multi-beat, a journalist who's on multi-beat, who then, um, you know, after a week on a story, becomes the expert, you know, in that field. I, I see it with crime as well. I see a lot of indictments of people on the air, accidentally, and a lot of defamation cases in the making, uh, kind of on a daily basis. So I see what you're saying. So, mm. you know, a
2: reporter can report about what's happening, but don't give financial advice. Big difference. Yeah.
1: The the passion, Susie, that you have for this industry, both mm. broadcasting and financial, uh, you know, expertise. Do you do you ever see that? Going away? Do you, do you? I mean, do you, do you see yourself like? I, mean, I bring up Barbara Walters because she's always been the north star for me. I'm going to work till I'm 85 or 90. I'm going to be doing this. Do you ever see that diminishing?
2: Well, you know, I closed down the Susie Orman show a number of years ago now, and I, at the age of 65, right now, everybody, I'm 71 and a half. I love that. First of all, I, I, don't, I
1: don't believe you. Period.
2: Look it up. <laughs> Google. Google. But um. What I wanted to know was who was Susie Orman when she didn't have a standing ovation in front of 50,000 people, when she wasn't writing for the Oprah Winfrey magazine, when she wasn't on QVC, all these things and her own show, who was I? And so one day I just closed it all down. Katie thought I had a nervous breakdown. And that's when we moved to the private island where we live today. We learned how to fish and, and I loved it. I didn't need all of that. But then time came and after a few years and everything. And as you know, I had a serious illness um, that has just recently after three years, I kind of feel almost like 50%, believe it or not, imagine if I was 100%. And so I love doing these types of things. I love doing my podcast. I love doing TV shows like this for a hit here and there. Would I ever really want to do maybe my own show? Somebody has already offered it. Some company has already offered me to come back with another show, and i'm oh, i'm thinking about it but i'm not sure that's what i want to do so i'm happy doing what i'm doing right now in the medium that i'm doing it on
1: and you call the shots uh you can you can do as much or as little right
2: yeah absolutely but i love zooming i love that i'm in the bahamas in this little studio with a tv screen behind me this is what my living room looks like but i can change it to any to CNBC, to your background. I mean, I could do it now if you wanted to see me do it, right? But I can change it to anything and broadcast from here. Today's show wanted me to come in, Ashley, and do a whole week with them. I said, I'm coming to New York. You want me? You come here. That's it. It's as little, easy as that.
1: Yeah. No, I think this is a big part of what everyone's looking for is a little bit of you know balance, uh, not only geographical balance, but also balance of family, the work from home thing has been a whole other dynamic. That's a whole other uh, Zoom conversation. Can I ask you to d- to drill down on something that you started? And that is the um, issue of making excuses. Like that's the first thing I-, I grabbed when you said, don't make excuses. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about what it takes inside because we all default to why it's not working, right? All the way along our careers, we default to why the guy beside us might be doing better and the reasons why he's doing better. Help me to navigate how you got past that, because that's a big barricade for a lot of us.
2: Yeah. Somehow, I always felt a lot like all of you feel. I felt like everybody was better than me. I honest to God did. They were prettier. All of my friends were prettier and thinner, and their parents had so much more than mine Um, and all of these things. And I felt that way all the way through college. And then I move and I'm li- at, at, you know, the Buttercup Bakery and, and all of a sudden I find this entire lesbian community and it was this, you know, cause it was California and I'm living in San Francisco area and I found and was able to identify with who I really, really was. And then I just started to feel better and better and better about myself. It's There's no one thing for everybody. But I then came across the same somewhere. There is no excuse big enough to keep you from being who you are meant to be. And I started to say that the other thing and I know we're running out of time, is this. When I was first hired as a stockbroker, actually, I was so afraid it wasn't even funny. I didn't belong there. Everybody else was better than me. I had an excuse. They were men. They were this. So I created a new truth. And the truth was, I am young, powerful, and successful, producing at least $10,000 a month. I screamed that truth 25 times a day on the way to work. I you know, I wrote it 25 times a day. Before I went to bed, I said it silently in the mirror 25 times. And in six months, that truth became true. And so I found that if I could create something that told me more than what my mind was telling me, that I was telling myself, eventually it would come to pass. And that's what the Nine Steps to Financial Freedom book the second book I wrote, which was maybe one of the best selling books of all time. Um, that's what that book is all about.
1: Well, it's a little like the, you know, a, a combination of Fake It Till You Make It and The Secret. Put out there what you want to come back, but also, you know, put on the brave face and stop being your own worst enemy.
2: Yeah. And, you know, so it's I started to believe other people too. Other people would tell me I was so great, and I would go, oh, please. I didn't believe them. I think I'm even greater than they know I am. Right. But, but you have to know your own thoughts. You have to stop asking other people what they think. You have to keep good company. Anybody that tells you, no, you can't do it is not good company. So that's what you have to do in your own life create a truth that you want to see come true for you and do it how I did it.
1: I'm taking a list down of all the things that you said, all the jewels of wisdom on this. And there's like too much for one page and I don't have enough space on my desk to flip it. But, um, you know, Susie, I I have one last question for you because we are at a time. Even at, I don't believe your age, um, do you still have moments of doubt? Do you still doubt yourself? Or do you still wonder like, I don't think I'm good enough for this.
2: I never think that I'm not good enough. But I think am I giving people what it is that they need today? Am I still relevant for all of the people that are 20 and 30? You know, it's difficult when you're older and you all your friends are older and you don't have a lot of contact with 20 year olds or 30 year olds. And so yeah, of course I do. And then I stop. I stop and I go, Susie Orman, you're better than that. So it's okay when you have doubt. It's not okay to live in doubt. It's okay when you recognize that you have doubt and then you do what you know you need to do to squash that doubt. Cause doubt is just thoughts. So you have to still your mind and not let your thoughts you know, control who you are. Let your so I, heart control who you are.
1: It's great because I I do think that um, no matter how good we are or how many successes we can rack up, uh, the failures keep coming back to haunt us, and it makes us feel like we're fallible, which we are. But living by that, you're right, is going to you know keep you in that that
2: abyss. Can I just hey, tell you one quick story about Oprah? Yeah, please, okay. oh, yeah. Are yeah, you kidding? So- So we're in the, Oprah is launching the Oprah Winfrey Network, which, you know, I had a show on with Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz called the Oprah All-Stars, big thing. And we were all staying in the same hotel and we ring to get on the elevator and Oprah's on the elevator. And she has this funny look and she said, Susie, I don't really know what is my legacy. I don't even know what the Oprah Winfrey network, what it, what, you know, she had doubt. She had doubt. So even Oprah, even Oprah, the one thing about Barbara Walters that I'll never forget her saying to me was, Susie, never read the good news that's written about you or the bad news. Just stay away from it and cuz if you get too attached to the good when the bad comes it will devastate you. So to this day I don't read what anybody says on either level about me.
1: You know it's funny that Barbara would say that um because I think in the age of social media so much information has come at us that you can't avoid it because I got some advice later than that that said only believe half of the good that's written about you and half <laughs> of the bad. So get a get a different sort of uh, metric to combine what the, you know, who you are and what you are, at least to your audience.
2: Yeah. But, you know, Ashley, I would tell you, don't read any of it. Right. It's probably healthier. Don't, don't read any of it. I have a saying that grace is above praise and blame. Remember that. And all you need to know is who you are, why you are doing what you are doing. Are you doing what's right? versus what's easy, are you putting people first or are you just going after the money? You're the only one who needs to know that. And if you know that, let other people think because they're gonna think anyway. Who cares?
1: Yeah, you know, long ago, uh, we all had our detractors on TV. It's just that they threw peanuts at the TV screen, and they didn't have an outlet to throw those peanuts publicly. <laughs> so now we're just hearing about all those peanuts that are getting thrown at the TV screen from the you know 70s, 80s, and 90s. I've kept you longer than I was supposed to, but oh my God You Lord, can keep you know. me as
2: long as you want, girlfriend. I do not have a time limit.
1: Oh my God. Don't ever tell me that. Are you I just me? told
2: you that. You can go way, a lot longer if you want.
1: My executive producer is saying, do not ever believe that because I, you know, she is like constantly trying to wrap me always. So to hear, no, no, you can have as long as you want. So I will ask you this one other piece of um, um, of advice for anybody getting into the business now. This is a really bad time. You know, we're in a Uh, mm, slight uh, recession.
2: uh, Get get rid of the word bad time. If you think it's a bad time, it's a bad time. Oh, there's right. So now ask your question. Have them rephrase that question.
1: OK, here's my I'll rephrase it. Amid layoffs in the industry, because yes. we've just seen a big swath of that amid bosses all saying, well, we're tightening our belt. So no raise for you or you're laid off and need not apply. What should everybody on this um this seminar think about their futures right now, if they're in a, you know, a a rework of their contract, if they're applying for jobs, if they're looking to get out of their job, what should they be, especially in journalism, because it's a bit of a different animal.
2: Yeah. Um, Two things I want to say here. If that happens to be your situation, how much better would you feel if you didn't have any debt, credit card debt, And if you did have an emergency savings account, once you have a little bit more room to breathe and feel powerful and not feel so needy. So if you are working and you've been putting other things in front of saving money and getting out of debt because you want to go out to eat, you want to be with your friends, you want to revenge spend because of the pandemic, just think about that, okay? I would also say that there is a period of time, and this happened in 2008 and 2009 when everybody was losing their jobs, not just in the industry, but everywhere, that at that point, maybe you do have to understand that you are willing to work for less. But if you are able to work for less and they're able to keep you, then your job is this, to make those that you are dependent upon a paycheck for dependent upon you. That means you come in at five, even though you're not supposed to be there until seven. You stay until eight, even though you're supposed to go home at five. People will take note of you. So if the economy, which it is people, going through a very difficult time right now. And these corporations are being forced to lay people off because of their bottom lines. Show them what you're willing to do. Just like I was willing to work for that year for free. Little different situation. But you may have to not settle for less But understand why less right now may be better than nothing, and 50% of something is better than 100% of nothing. But understand what they're going through as well. They don't want to lay you off. They don't want to get rid of 10,000 people. They don't want to but they have to cuz they are answering to people above them as well. Very difficult time right now, which is why the best thing you can all do for yourself is not be solely dependent on your money coming in month in and month out to pay your bills. That's why you never want to live, you know, above your means. You want to live within your needs, below your means. That's why you always want it have enough money to save you when a paycheck can't.
3: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over two million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com/wondersuite. That's bluehost.com/wondersuite.
1: So, do you see? Um, and this is this is similar to what you were just saying, but I want to broaden it out to long careers because there's people on the Zoom here who have been in the business for thirty years, forty years, and there are some who are, you know, brand new. As I look back to my 35 years in journalism, had I known the cycles of the economy, I might have planned or at least thought differently about my career. Do we need to behave differently within the the seven years between good times and salad days uh, and bad times and salad days? Or do we always need to behave the same?
2: You always need to behave the same because it's not just where you're working, are they going to lay you off? Where you're working, are they going to cut back? Are you going to be like me that three years ago, two and a half years ago, wasn't able to work on any level because of a tumor that I had, right? So an illness, an accident, a football game, a whatever, anything can happen at any time. So you just can't feel good when the economy is good you feel good when your own personal finances are in order.
1: But what about that part about come in at 6 instead of your start time at 8 and leave at 8 instead of your, you know, departure time at 5? Like we can't live that way for 35 years.
2: No, you can't live that way during th- I'm not saying it's during that time for 1 year or 2 years that your boss hopefully will notice you and then promote you accordingly right? But you should always make anybody that you're working for dependent on you because you are, they cannot afford to lay you off. You know, always make yourself valuable, always. So obviously you want to be valuable for 35 years. That doesn't mean you have to work 24 hours a day. It means you do the best you can possibly do, and nobody is better than you.
1: So is
2: Nobody's, that yeah. is
1: that part um, is that part effort and part marketing? And I say that because you're so good at personal brand marketing in your job. Do you need to market yourself to your coworkers and your boss to make sure they see that you are indispensable, or is no. it just purely the gumshoe work that you do?
2: Yeah, it's it's. then you're doing it so somebody notices it. And that's all the reason you do it. You have to have passion for what you're doing. You have to love what you are doing. And you have to do it for yourself. And when you do it for yourself, I'm doing this podcast for you today, Um, this webinar for you today, Ashley. I'm doing it for me. Because I love to talk about this and I love to talk to especially women and men who want to make themselves better. I love that. It's for me, not for you. Well, I'm taking
1: it as a gift. (laughs) (laughs) right?
2: Right. But but you see what I mean? The other day I did do a podcast from somebody who I never heard of before who simply asked me and I said, "Okay, okay." Most people in my position would go, listen, if they don't have at least 20,000 people online, I'm not doing it. Like I do it because I love it for me. So no, you don't want to market yourself. You want to be you and you want everybody to notice that you are so magnificent at being you that they want to be like you. Everybody tells me they want to be like me. And I'm like, what are you crazy? Crazy. You don't want to be another Susie Orman. You want to be another you. When you're you, nobody can be better at you than you. And people will notice that. Well, I Trust want your jacket. <laughs> this is from Nike. This I is love a your Nike <laughs> sweatshirt. You can have one. I have them all in the closet in my um apartment, a condo in Florida. I didn't, I couldn't, whoop, I just couldn't get rid of them for some reason. I had come to visit people. you.
1: Hey, uh, somebody asked, um, where do we get the will and trust documents for free? This is the podcast, right? Your, your Susan yeah. podcast. Go to the
2: Women and Money podcast, listen to the podcast, because it's a great little podcast, today's podcast. And at the very end, end of the podcast, I'll give you the um, passcode and where you do it. All right. And for those of you who are just too lazy to do that for one reason or another, um, go to susieorman.com slash protect. And the then the activation code to get it today for free is protect 2023. You can do it that way as well. Just know hundreds of thousands of people are trying to do it today, and the servers are just freaking out. It ends tonight, so just be patient if you can't quite get in right away.
1: And it's in the chat, at the bottom of the chat, everybody, the podcast episode. Um, I think Shelly has sent that to everyone. Is that the right one? Um, SuzyOrman.com slash blog slash podcast episode. Susieisms?
2: does that sound right? I don't know. I don't know what, I don't even know what the hell that is. But if you just <laughs> go to well, podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, yeah. go to Women and Money. Women in Money. I- and it's the podcast that's today. Yeah,
1: we can. That's easy to find. Um, thank you. Like this has just been so great to a catch up with you again because it's been way too long since I saw you last, and you look fabulous, and you sound even better, and you're just thank you, you. you haven't slowed down a bit. You've still got all that remarkable chutzpah, um, even though you've decided to do it on your own terms and on your own time schedule. Thank you so much, Susie, for this. Don't forget, you can watch me every night on News Nation at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central, and 7 p.m. on the West Coast. Don't know where to watch us? Just go to www.joinnn.com. Enter your zip code, and the channel finder will show you where you can find us on your broadcast dial. But don't forget, we're also on all the streamers, Hulu, Roku, YouTube TV, This is Ashley Banfield, and thanks so much for joining me for this edition of Rising Tide.